0: After over 50 years of incredible service, the Minuteman III will be replaced and modernized with a new generation ICBM. The Ground-Based Strategic Deterrence Systems Directorate team will deploy 400 new missiles, update 450 silos, and modernize more than 600 facilities across almost 40,000 square miles of US territory. This undertaking is a true mega project that will require radical teamwork, disciplined execution, and historic resolve.
1: This true mega-project is now called the Sentinel Missile Program. It's the Air Force's most ambitious military construction and weapons project in decades. The new weapon is one part of a plan that was started under former President Barack Obama. It was accelerated by the Trump administration to replace and upgrade the entire U.S. nuclear arsenal at a projected cost of upward of $1.5 trillion over the next 30 years. It's a project that will perpetuate, until at least 2075, the little-known role that my tribe, the three affiliated tribes of the Fort Berthold Reservation in North Dakota, plays in U.S. national security policy, to be a nuclear target. You're listening to Scientific American's podcast series, The Missiles on Our Res. I'm Ella Weber, a member of the Mandan, Hidatsa, and Arikara Nation, a Princeton student, and a journalist. This is Episode 3, The Air Force's New Nuclear Missile. In this episode, we'll be talking about how the Air Force came to our reservation to present its new missile project to the tribe, and how this fits into the broader patterns that have characterized our historical relationship with the U.S. government.
2: The National Environmental Policy Act, or NEPA, is a federal law that requires federal agencies to integrate environmental values into their decision-making process. NEPA review is required when a federal action is proposed that may have impacts on the human or natural environment. NEPA includes requirements for involvement of the public and government entities, and in the case of this project, 62 Native American tribes.
1: Under the National Environmental Policy Act, the U.S. Air Force is required to produce an environmental impact statement. In this case, it is to quote, analyze the potential effects on the human and natural environments from deployment of the Sentinel Intercontinental Ballistic Missile System. Also, it is to, quote, provide the public and other stakeholders an opportunity to comment on the action and its associated analyses and to consider all alternatives. The Fort Berthold Reservation was the first place picked by the Air Force to present this report at a public hearing and collect public comments on the record. This was an opportunity for the Air Force to connect with MHA Nation and to explain the military branch's plans and what they meant for the reservation. Unfortunately, this isn't exactly what happened.
2: That public hearing? Meaningless. You know why it's meaningless? Because nobody was really informed. Nobody was able to give the testimony he wanted to do. And nobody had a clear picture because nobody was prepared. I certainly wasn't prepared.
1: Logan Davis is a freelance journalist, an Army veteran, and an elder of the Turtle Mountain Band of Chippewa of North Dakota. He's been reporting on the MHA Nation for a long time and happened to be on the reservation that day. He learned about the EIS meeting by chance.
2: So I was eating, talking, visiting, and I saw this policeman, it was a friend of mine, and he's looking, going over to the uh, environmental impact study the meetings. What? The journalist told me. I didn't know, about That was a cop who called me. So nobody knew about it, man. So I was calling people, hey, you gotta get over here, sir. You gotta testify, you know.
1: Davis's struggle to find where the meeting was taking place was confusing. The Air Force had advertised for weeks in local newspapers and on the radio that the meeting would take place at the Newtown Pow Wow Grounds. But for some reason, the location of the meeting was changed last minute to the Four Bears Casino.
2: The cop was there, I would stab with him, and I said, are you gonna testify? Well, oh, I don't know. no. Somebody else does. And I looked around, it was just very, very few people from this community. It was mostly Air Force people. Nobody told any of the journalists or any news person. It was so highly secretive. And that bothers me, you know. So they did this whole video thing how great it's gonna be, blah, 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 jobs, and it was just like okay, he is not telling the truth.
1: In case you're wondering. The video that's being talked about is the one that we played at the beginning of the episode. It's about the environmental impact statement of the Sentinel program.
2: They never talked about war. They talked about jobs. They talked about how it's going to benefit the community for the most part, like Fortes is uh, journalism. And I started asking questions when they took that general out of the meeting, out of the building, out of the area of testimony. But they left. And then we're, there's one we're intermission. I'll for come back. All of a sudden he started the public testimony. But where in the hell is the chairman? Where in the hell is the the major general? They should be listening to the public testimony.
1: As it turned out, Davis was the only one that had filled in the sign and sheet at the meeting entrance, and he was called up first.
2: I've always felt nervous about being in North Dakota because there's so many nuclear missiles here. I testified that I know there's always a chance for an incidents and accidents in and nuclear accidents. They're not all going to be like Chernobyl, but they could be. And When you're missing with warheads, you know, you have to be so precise and you know, there's a process and procedure and safety,
1: you know. So Logan's a reporter, but he was also stationed in Germany in the 1970s when the country had short-range nuclear missiles, so he has some prior knowledge in this area.
2: Um, not the most smartest, the most knowledgeable was about nuclear missiles. I do know enough that it's a dangerous occupation. I mean, any kind of amount of radiation exposure can kill you or hurt you. Lesson less your health.
1: Someone else spoke up, too. Jerry Ruth, Birdsville, Ford. My mother is a Cherokee um, from Oklahoma, from Claremore, Oklahoma. And my dad is uh, Lawrence Birdsville from here. He's a Mandan and a Hidatsa Jerry was one of the two women that testified that day after Logan spoke up. She's married to a retired Air Force colonel. Her daughter's in the Air Force, too. I asked what brought her to testify that day.
2: Well, they asked me if there was a close uh, working relationship between the tribe and the um, United States Air Force, and I told them, no, there wasn't one at all. Um, That everyone here knew that there were silos uh, on the reservation, but there was just, uh, like, little to
1: no communication between the Air Force, and, and the tribe. If you listen to the previous episode, you'll know that there are 15 nuclear missile silos on the reservation itself. But Jerry didn't know there were that many. There are 15, I couldn't remember. All on the reservation? or yes. Oh, okay. Wow. I didn't know that. During her testimony, Jerry suggested that the Air Force develop a permanent partnership with the Tribal Council itself and representatives of a higher level. Despite the fact that the Air Force changed the location of the actual meeting with the tribe so close to the event that the chairman and the veterans went to the wrong location, Major General Michael Lutton, commander of the 20th Air Force, came on the reservation to talk about how grateful he was to the tribe for showing up.
2: And when you combine knowledge and time, you have wisdom. And uh, we are so thankful uh, for your time and the time of the people here. And we look forward to the cooperation uh, as we share our common goal Uh, to defend our nation and our land. Thank you so much.
1: In an emailed statement in response to this reporting, Therefore said, quote, The National Weather Service issued a severe weather storm wind advisory alert for northwest and north-central North Dakota for July 18th and 19th, 2022. MHA leadership, veterans groups, tribal law enforcement, security and facility security directors consulted with each other. The decision was made for the protection of human health, safety, and cultural resources that the hearing be moved to the planned backup indoor venue Four Bears Casino and Lodge, end quote. Though there was one severe weather alert for those dates on the day of the hearing of July 19, 2022, it was sunny by 4.15 p.m. local time, prior to the meeting start at 5.30 p.m., I asked Logan if, during the 30-minute PowerPoint presentation, the Air Force had discussed the role of silos in U.S. nuclear strategy, the rationale behind the modernization program, and the risks that are involved for the tribe if nuclear war or accidents were to occur.
2: The only thing they talked about is that they were going to make sure everything was safe. We have to take it for granted and rely on the word of the military and the politicians.
1: During Major General Lund's visit to the tribe, he exchanged gifts with the MHA Nation's chairman, Mark Fox. Six months later, Fox signed a programmatic agreement with the Air Force. The agreement streamlines the exchange of historically and culturally relevant information of sites that could be impacted by the missile modernization program, which will include deploying Sentinel and, quote, decommissioning and disposing of the Minutemen 3 ICBM system. In its emailed statement, the Air Force said that, quote, the radiological effects of a strategic nuclear attack on the continental United States are beyond the scope of this environmental impact statement. Mark Fox, the MHA nation's chairman, did not reply to several requests for comment. MHA was one of two tribal nations to sign this agreement out of 63.
2: Do they really need that minute change? Do they really? I mean, it's not going to really deter any more than they already have. Nothing will change because nothing is really... Um, We don't know it's going to affect us except if there's an accident. We're supposed to be protector of the land. You see, the system has changed us, changed the last couple generations, to not respect the land like we're supposed to. Our ancestral teachings, as Native Americans teach us, to respect, honor Mother Earth, not to put toxic crap in her.
1: This was a lot to take in. I asked Logan what made him speak up so freely today, especially considering the fact that he's been worried about retribution in the past.
2: I'm trying to protect the environment and my grandchildren's future. And my little granddaughter's. she's born today. I want to come into a world that's safe and secure. and doesn't have to have the dreams and nightmares I did when I was a little boy. i worry worried about nuclear war.
1: To better understand who in the tribal government had been consulted about the environmental impact statement, I met Edmund Baker, environmental director of the reservation, who is responsible for enforcing the three affiliated tribes' environmental protection code. You might recognize him from the previous episode. I told him about the EIS hearing. They said like it was like a, me- like a town hall community type meeting, but... Really? Yeah. Wow.
0: Well. It, you understand that the reservation there's there's sort of the official release of information um either in a newspaper or maybe on the radio but even so i haven't heard the guys in the office mentioning anything like this i'm a little surprised that i don't know what they think of this office maybe in the scheme of things with all the projects going on and this is a busy council um that if you're going to deal with uh, such things as uh, government-to-government relations and, and uh, a re-signing or an extension of an agreement to keep nuclear warheads within or near a you know, tribal nation's homeland, that somehow uh, environmental division might be somewhat relevant.
1: Edmund wasn't exactly thrilled.
0: I'm just trying to imagine how they see us. Uh, Maybe they see us as, uh, this is not important to them. They handle the oil field. Or, I don't know, what they're thinking actually. But what surprises me most is, uh, this has not been an issue.
1: Given his experiences with environmental impact studies and other permitting issues, I asked Edmund whether it was important for members of the tribe to know what would be the potential nuclear risks associated with living with the silos.
0: You know, just technically speaking, I don't. if you're going into another person's house, we'll say, well, we'll make this candid. Let's say you come into my house. You want to build something in there. You think it'll be good for me. Uh, and you're going to tell me, oh, this is what it does. I'm not going to harm anything. And I ask you, okay, well, what are the risks? Uh, and you tell me. At that point, I have the ability. Now this is small scale, but these concepts are in there. I had the ability to say no. That ain't gonna fly here. Thank you. We'll have a good time. See you later. No, door closed. In a lot of sense, that's that's what the EIS sort of function as, right?
1: In the next episode, I will interview nuclear weapons experts to better understand what was not discussed during the EIS public hearing, the real risks for the Mandan, Hidatsa, and Arikara nation from living with nuclear silos on our lands. This show was reported by me, Ella Weber, produced by Sebastian Philippe and Talika Bose. Script editing by Talika Bose. Post-production design and mixing by Jeff Delvisio. Thanks to Special Advisor Rio Morimoto and Jessica Lambert. Music by Epidemic Sound. I'm Ella Weber, and this was The Missiles on Res, a special podcast collaboration from Scientific American, Princeton University's Program on Science and Global Security, Nuclear Princeton, and Columbia Journalism School.